Hey guys, welcome back to the workshop. Toolman Tim here. It's March 24th, 2022, and this is episode 87 of the workshop podcast. And tonight I am going to share, well, we'll see how far we get through with this, but we're going to talk about the top 10 common automotive emergencies that we end up needing to deal with, how to deal with them, how to avoid them, the whole works like that. And then if we have time, We'll get into some more automotive tips because I love Thursday night repairedness. I'm always full of good information, I think. <laughs> so yeah, if we don't get through it all, we don't get through it all, but I got a bunch of good stuff for you. Real quick, before we dive in, let's go into the announcements. Number one, uh, for those of you on the live stream, or if you're listening on the recording, I got some new stickers. These are die cuts. So if anybody would like any, free of charge, just email me, therealtimcook at gmail.com. Send me your address and I will gladly send you two or three out in an envelope. We can get Toolman Tim workshop stickers stuck all across the country. I know there's some in Washington right now. I just seen some in Tennessee today and I know they're all over the place. So if you guys want any, let me know. Number two, I always say this on Thursday nights, but if you are not following PBN, the Prepper Broadcast Network, what is wrong with you? This week was great. I am always have them in my ears when I'm working. The Next Generation podcast talked about the proper prepper mindset. I had to practice that one. Uh, James had Stephen Menking on, on Preppers Live, and Dave, the NBC guy, you guys remember him recently from this show, he was on the Matter of Facts podcast. And if you guys aren't checking out any of that content, man, it's some good shit coming out there, I'll tell you. Number three, today was a twofer. I actually had two episodes, so tonight's episode... For the audio, we'll go live tomorrow. And if you missed it, this morning I had the most incredible live stream interview with Stephen from offgrid48.com. He is an absolute whiz, a genius when it comes to wood gasifiers. You guys asked me to get somebody on that knew something about wood gasifiers, and I found somebody that knew something about wood gasifiers. So if you haven't yet, check out either the replay of the live stream or the podcast in the podcast feed. And one more quick one. Normally, I just knock out three, but we got one more for you. Saturday morning, we're going to do a Saturday morning live stream episode of the Workshop Podcast, 8.30 Mountain Time, and I haven't settled on a topic yet. So if you either have questions you want me to answer, or if you have a topic you'd like to hear me cover, send it my way. Let me know. We can do a free-for-all. There's a whole bunch of ways we can do this, but if you guys have any suggestions, send them to me through Telegram, through email, or through any of the social links. And we'll go from there. So about a month ago, we did an episode on automotive repairedness. And I made it about halfway through my tips, which was great. But this has been an automotive kind of week. So it just seemed like the entire theme to my week was centered around good, bad, and ugly when it comes to trucks, cars, planes, trains, and automobiles. So let me tell you a little bit about my week. First off, we had a lot of fun. We dug out my old dump truck. It's an 87 Ford that had been sitting since last fall in a snowbank. So we had to dig out the snowbank first, and then we had to tow it out. And we had about four inches to spare on the side of the RV. We managed to get it out without wrecking it. When we pulled it out, of course, routine maintenance, this kind of stuff hadn't set, it set for a while. We had a brake fluid leak. So we topped up the brake fluid, a low passenger side tire, pumped that up good. Had a hell of a time starting. We ended up going through damn near a bottle of starter fluid. But once we got it up and running, 
We got it running pretty good, got the old gas out of it, filled it with some nice fresh gas, added a half a can of seafoam. You guys know my magic in a can. And that thing purrs like a kitten now. <laughs> if you drive it at about 90 kilometers an hour, you can almost hear the gas going out the tailpipe. But if you keep it down around 70, 75, the thing barely sips any fuel at all. And you can't tell if it has a load on it or not. It just runs that good. So it was a lot of fun. I spent the, the weekend working with my brother-in-law. We were stripping the basement of a bank house. Had to gut the entire thing. He's a mechanic. So we did a lot of chatting. I dug up some information from a guy who was a lot smarter than I am to share with you guys. And how about my, what day was it? My Tuesday. This was the hmm, craziest or anyway. So I was heading out. I got about a half hour away from my home, was pulling out onto the highway. And all of a sudden the, you could see the PSI in my tire rating just going down by like 50%, 75% and flat. I thought, shit, I'm in trouble. So I pulled over immediately. As soon as I found an approach, sure enough, my tire went completely flat. And yes, I keep a tire plug kit in the truck. However, this time it took a great big giant rock and drove it right up between the treads. Made about a, probably an inch and a half long by three eighths of an inch wide gap in the tire and completely was not pluggable, at least not on the side of the road. I thought, well, so first things first, get the spare down. And it'd been a little while since I had it down. I was a little rusty. Took me a few minutes to get everything going, but it worked. I managed to bend the, not the wrench, but the, I don't know what you call it, the little hook piece that you use for tightening and loosening things. Bent that a little bit, but you know, it was my own fault because I just looked at the clock and I said, damn it, I'm making incredible time. And not 10 minutes later, side of the road with a flat. I need to put gloves in my emergency kit. Wouldn't be bad to have a tarp either because rolling around on that concrete, I scunned up my arms and everything quite a bit. But anyway, no big deal. So I get back on the road and half an hour later, heading north on another highway, big oil tanker truck picks up a rock and throws it and smashes the side of my windshield, completely wrecks the windshield, not repairable. So now new tire and a new windshield later, I didn't make much money that day. So that's one of those automotive days. And it's just, just been one of those things. And when I had the flat tire, you know, you have two choices. Number one, you can stand on the side of the road like a character in an old Bugs Bunny movie and take your straw hat and throw it on the floor, jump up and down and curse the air. Or you can take a breath, you can focus, you can get on down on the ground, change your tire and realize, you know what? I lost 10 minutes. And you can do the same thing with a cracked windshield. You can either get pissed off, worked up, or you can say, you know what? Shit happens and move on. It was. It was one of those days, Ted, I'm telling you. So it was what it was. So let's move into, it made me think about automotive emergencies. It's something we didn't talk about last time. So let's dive in. I made a list of 10 of the most common automotive emergencies and hopefully how maybe we can avoid them. Or if we do end up in those situations, how to fix them, get out of them, make them better, the whole works. But the first thing I got to say is one of the best pieces of prepping you can do <laughs> is sign up for AAA or up in Canada, you know, CAA roadside assistance. And some people, you know, there, there's some people who say, as a prepper, why would you ever waste money on insurance or roadside assistance? Well, I'm telling you right now, if something happens and you can make a phone call and a half hour later, you've got help on the side of the road, 
How could you be more prepared than that? Yes, it's great to be self-sufficient, but look after yourself. And uh, Chris Dixon says, just like on The Simpsons, old man yells at Cloud. And that is, that's about as pointless as it can get. You can stand there and yell at a cloud or you can stand there and yell at a flat tire and neither is going to change. So yes, that's a great point, Chris. So number one, let's deal with it. Flat tire. I mean, when you get it, I, I, I blew a flat tire on the I-95 just outside of Boston one time. And I had a, I was driving a Grand Caravan and I was in the middle lane and I had a U-Haul trailer on. And again, the first thing you got to do is try to find the safest place to pull over as quickly as possible without ditching your vehicle. Do that. And then always, hey, we got Loco in here. How are you, sir? And Chris Dixon says AMA is totally worth it, especially if you have kids that are new drivers. Yes. And we also found out that you can add on your RV as well. It's a little more expensive, but boy, that can save your hide sometimes. And yes, kids, new drivers, we've run into that a few times. But do a routine inspection. Something I hadn't done in a little while was get under the truck and make sure my spare was in good shape. And I was kicking myself because I didn't. Everything was fine, but it'd been a few months since I rolled my butt under there to take a look. So do a regular inspection on your spare. Also, know how to remove your spare because they are a lot more difficult than they used to be. Mine, you got to put three pieces of rod together, get it in on a 45 degree angle, and then tighten it or loosen it down quite a bit drop it all the way to the ground. Then you got to fish this flat bar and a piece of aircraft cable up and through the spare tire. That's not easy. So practice at home before you start. And then take a look at those tools that come with it. I know one thing, the uh, the long hook that you use for turning the jack, I'm going to upgrade that because I bent that bugger right away. And then of course, keep a plug kit on hand because if this had have been just a normal nail in the tire or small puncture, I could have plugged it faster than I could have changed the tire out. But in this instance, again, you got to have multiple ways to look at it. The first is, can I plug it? Nope. Okay, then let's do the spare. Uh, hey, Letty, we see Letty in here tonight. She said, I've had friends say they have no reason to learn to change tire because they have AAA. I've changed so many tires while with them because AAA is an hour away or more. That is so true. Just because you have it doesn't mean you shouldn't know how to do the skill. We ended up, you know, the the tire we blew was on the U-Haul trailer on the interstate. And they were well over an hour getting to us. They had to bring us a new tire. But yes, it's good to know how to do that. It's always a good thing. Also, yes, Letty is 100% right. Not just inspect your spare, but make sure you have a spare. She's known people that have bought them without them. Some new vehicles don't even come with them. And a lot of times if you buy a used vehicle, they don't even inspect to see if it has it. So yeah, that's important. Now, number two, this might be a little more pertinent to us up here where the wind can hurt your face, but if you slide off the road or you end up getting stuck, how do you deal with it? You know, have a, uh, a folding shovel, have a bag of gravel, have some traction pads, those things you can drive underneath your tire to give yourself a little bit of traction, have yourself a tow rope or maybe a come along, because where I was stuck this winter... If I'd had a little longer uh, come along, I could have probably pulled myself out by tying off to a tree. So that's always something to think about. Another thing that so many people, I've, I've had so many relatives over the years who've gotten stuck. And I say, okay, just take it easy. And I never think to tell them to put it in low gear. And they put it in regular gear and then they floor it. And all they do is they're making more ice and they're digging themselves in deeper. 
So put it in low gear and just feather the gas. Don't give yourself too much. And if you're stuck on the side of the road or in a ditch, take a look at your tailpipe. It might not be quite as important as it was 20 years ago, but you still don't want those emissions coming back into the cab. Uh, if you got warning triangles, throw them out so people can see you. And um, also, if somebody's going to tow you out, this is something not a lot of people think of. You just figure, hey, I'll just tie off to any old thing. Well, I've seen more than once people's bumpers pulled right off. So ahead of time, do your research and find out where a safe place to tie off to tow your vehicle out with is. Because some have some really weird ones or some have these, I think it's Tesla that has a secret compartment in the front that you pop open and then screw something into. So just know that process beforehand. Letty says, sand, kitty litter, boards, etc. Gotta love winter preps for the vehicles. 100%. And if you have all that, you're in a much better place than most people are. Also, if you are going to keep sand, get yourself some sand in a completely sealed plastic bag. One of those that go up over your wheel wells to give you extra weight because those stupid sandbags that you buy at any grocery store or gas station up here, they're those sandbags that are woven mesh. Water gets in them and they freeze rock hard, miserable. Uh, Chris Dixon says, this is why we did ladies and couples nights when I worked at the dealer, giving people the basics on what they definitely do not know. It was always a hit. That's a great idea. You know, a person could even as, you know, as a prepper or somebody who's into preparedness, that would be some kind of course that you could teach, say at the local library, your local adult center, whatever it is, because there are so many people that don't know even the basics. Uh, how about, so not you're stuck, but you come along and you find someone else slid off the road in a ditch. Like I did this winter. I was so happy. Well, I shouldn't say too happy, but my daughter called. She's like, dad, I was driving 40 kilometers an hour and I hit a patch of ice and I slid off the road. And it was a nasty old winter day. It was bad. So I had to go along and it was the first time I got to use my brand new tow rope. I was really excited. <laughs> uh, Ted says, uh, <laughs> Ditches, hell down here, we get stuck in alligator infested canals. Yeah, so you'd you'd almost want a weapon to fight off those things, or at least, you know, know how to wrestle with them, right? And we got Rachel in here tonight. We got Brian from the Lots Project. Howdy, everybody. Um, Rachel says, I remember one of your previous shows where somebody said about using old tractor tire tubes to keep sand in. Yes, that's a great idea. I love that. Absolutely, <laughs> Brian. Yes, second time tuning in today. Thank you. Appreciate it. So if you're going to pull somebody else out of the ditch, only do it. If you know what you're doing, only do it. If you know your vehicle can handle it. Pay attention to the way their wheels are turned. I had a friend, a local guy that owns the hardware store, got caught in a snowstorm down near Calgary this winter. And he came across this tiny little compact car <clears throat> with all season tires on it. And he stopped and tried to explain to the guy, I'll pull you out, but you need to, you know, you need to angle your tires up toward the road. So when I pull you, you come with me. <clears throat> Excuse me. The guy didn't speak a lick of English. He couldn't get through to him. They ended up pulling him up over the road with the wheels pointed the wrong way because the guy just couldn't understand. So know which way to, to put your wheels. Make, make sure you know they're turned the right way. Know how to use a, a toe strap or better yet, a snatch strap. That sounds kind of funny. But one of those that have about 30% flex in them, they can kind of compound the physics in towing a vehicle out. Uh, just be comfortable with whatever you're doing. Also keep some clevises on hand to tie off because in not every instance are you going to be able to just loop that uh, kind of fabric toe strap around something. So have something you can tie it in. 
And yes, Chris, this is great. The great thing about Southern Alberta is our ditches are like our highways, rough, but fairly flat. And you can keep driving if you know how. Yeah, 99% of the time, it is so true around here. When I had my little Ranger, that didn't work that way. But yes, they're really just kind of lightly sloped and you just kind of drive down. And if you're lucky and the snow's not too deep, you just turn around and come right back up. And always make sure it's safe to tow somebody out. If you're not sure, don't do it. Ah, dead battery. That's number four. Now, there's so many things we can do. I mean, number one, inspect your battery long ahead of time. If it's getting old, maybe test it, or it might be time to replace it. Look at those connectors. Again, with the truck, we were having a hell of a time getting the dump truck to start. It turned out that the little battery cable that goes from the battery to the solenoid was busted. So it was only getting a little bit of connection through there. So we stopped down that morning, replaced it. The thing starts like a dream now. So check that kind of stuff. Have yourself a booster pack in your vehicle. Have yourself, you know, my favorite, a good set of like one, one gauge or zero gauge booster cables that are at least 20 feet long. So you can safely boost from behind on the highway. And of course, know how to use booster cables because I've used them before. And when I was younger, touched them together, actually. So Another dumb story. The other morning, it must have been early, and I looked, and <laughs> so stupid. Under the hood, in the dump truck, they weren't color-coded, the connectors on the batteries. And I looked three times, and I said, yep, that's a positive symbol. And I went to touch it, and it sparked. I thought, that's strange. So instead of stopping and looking, I go to touch it again, and I get more sparks. And I realized there was dirt there that made the negative look like a positive. So sometimes we can be really uh, dumb. <laughs> And uh, Letty says, yeah, Ted, I was shocked that not all new cars come with them anymore, talking about spares. And there's not, a, not even a spot for a spare anymore. And of course, something else to think about is most of those spares are what my dad always called a wheelbarrow tire. You know, they're not rated for more than, you know, 100 miles or something. They're not rated for highway speeds. They're just basically there to limp you home. Have I done both on a wheelbarrow tire? You want to believe I have. <laughs> and yeah, Ted says those battery-operated jump starters are invaluable. They absolutely are. They're, that's one thing I haven't invested in yet. I got to pick one up, do some testing on them. But the ones I've used, and I had a lady the other day used one. Uh, just one. She's like, could you watch me use this so my car doesn't blow up? Yeah, sure. But yeah, they're, they are invaluable. And then just a routine inspection on your battery to make sure, hey. Uh, how about run out of gas? Now, unless you puncture a hole... I don't want to be mean here, but unless you like snap a gas line or puncture a hole in your gas tank, there is no reason that a prepper should ever run out of gas. Just saying. Have I done it before? Yeah. One other one time years ago, you know how it is. <laughs> I always say it doesn't cost any more to keep your tank full than it does to keep it empty. But when you are really, really broke, sometimes you just let it go. So a few Quick tips about that. Always have a look at your gas gauge before you head out on a long trip. My son's really bad for this. He'll just hop in the vehicle and go and not think about it. Didn't even look at his gas gauge. And I mean, you could have a 100-kilometer trip and only have just a little bit. Nice to have you, lady. Have a good night. So always take a look at your gas gauge before you head out on a long trip. If you got less than half a tank or around a half a tank, fill it up. Never go below half a tank. There's no reason. Be familiar with your gas gauge too, because sometimes you might have one of those that says it's full, but it just never moves. And all of a sudden you run out of gas. You're like, well, that's weird. 
Yeah, Ted says the empty tank game is called Press Your Luck. Yeah, and you can only win that for so long. Evening, Martinson family. How are you? Now, another one. Overheated engine. What do you do? Well, the first thing you do is turn off your AC. That might seem counterintuitive, but what you want to do is get as much heat off that engine as you can. So turn off your AC, roll your windows down, and crank your heat. You're going to be uncomfortable, but it's going to help suck some of that engine heat out, and it might keep you, <laughs> it might keep you from, you know, completely overheating everything. Just something to do. Now, if you're in a dire situation, pull over, lift your hood up, ho hopefully have it facing the way of the prevailing winds and hopefully get some cool air in there. But it's going to take a long time for an overheated engine to cool off on its own. Check your coolant, add coolant. You can always add some water. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But be ready to stop on a regular basis to let your engine cool down. And it could take you 10 times as long to get home. But if you take your time, you can be careful. Um, <laughs> Brian says, I keep my tank low so I can test dispensers into it or purge air out of lines. Well, that makes sense for, you know, <laughs> and he says, gas techs run out of gas more than anyone else. It's like contractors, you know, their houses are always in the need of repair and they never have time to do it. So Here's a story from Mike Loco, our Filipino uh, Filipino nomad. He said, when I was young and dumb, a high school student, my gas guzzling hoopty, I ran out of gas four times, even as close as three blocks from the station. Yep, it happens. Just one of those things we do when we're young and dumb, that's all. How about lock yourself out? Again, this is something never, never travel with just one set of keys. That's crazy. Becky and I did that. Well, anyway, we... We had two sets, but we had them both in the vehicle. We were just outside of Detroit in Michigan one evening around midnight, and I locked my keys in the van. I, I thought I said to her, do you have your keys? But I don't know what happened. Anyway, locked the keys in there, and the gas station was closed, and in like five minutes turned all the lights off on us in this kind of suburb area of Detroit. We were stuck there for about an hour waiting for the locksmith to show up, and it's always going to cost you some money. So get yourself... One of those magnetic boxes, get a spare key that will only open your doors, not start your vehicle so somebody can't drive away with it. Or something else I've seen. Yes, air wedges are great. Yeah, they, they are pretty good. I've used those. I've used wooden wedges before too, if you're careful. My son tried to use a screwdriver one time and completely bent the crap out of his door, but that's another story. Uh, magnetic box, or I've seen people who take electrical tape and kind of hide it up inside the windshield wiper arm. That's not my cup of tea, but if it's something you need to do, go for it. Uh, yeah, um, and Rachel says, Daddy always told us to crank the heat if the temp goes up. Yes, yeah, it's true, because it, it's the one way to try to get some heat off the engine. Um, okay, broken drive belt or serpentine, you know, broken drive or serpentine belt. Don't drive unless you have to. Call for a tow if you can, but we're going to talk about this one a little bit further down. I got kind of a special... SHTF kind of situation that we're going to talk about. And yeah, we'll leave that one for that. Now, how about if you're in an accident or if you come across an accident? So number one, uh, stay in the vehicle if it's not safe to get out. If you get rear-ended on the highway and you got vehicles coming from behind you, stay in the vehicle. You know, keep your arms up, keep your head up, keep your seatbelt on and just sit there because you go anywhere else, there's a good chance you're going to get crushed between another vehicle. So only get out if it's safe to do it. Um, keep a well-stocked first aid kit in your vehicle. I'd forgot about this till I was talking earlier in the uh, Telegram group. And it was uh, 
we were in Utah and we drove up. We were following a little Subaru or he was following us, sorry. And it was a beautiful day and we went up in elevation and we hit this wet snow. Only lasted about 10 minutes. He decided to blow right past us and it happened so fast. I just seen him and all of a sudden he fishtailed and boom, right down in the ditch, basically buried. And all I had was summer shoes on because it wasn't that bad of a day out. And I ended up having to kind of dig myself down in the snow, help the guy out. He sat in the vehicle with us until uh, the first responder showed up, but it took quite a while. So have yourself a first aid kit, have some sort of firefighting equipment if you can, fire extinguisher or, you know, the uh, spray, fire spray in a can, that kind of stuff. Don't put yourself in any more danger than you are, but just use common sense. And number 10, and some people might chuckle at this one, but I consider this an automotive emergency. But how about if you're in the middle of nowhere driving and all of a sudden nature calls and you need to answer? So the first thing I do is I take the biggest roll of Costco toilet paper I can find. I take the center of the cardboard roll out. I flatten it down and then I put it in a big freezer Ziploc bag. And then I keep it down in one of the cubbies in the truck. So it's always there. Now, the next thing for you ladies, practice going to the bathroom outside. Some people are more comfortable than others, but some of my family members, it's taken them a while to get comfortable doing that. Just practice the whole situation because you never want to make a shitty situation even more shitty. Just one of those things to think about. And then have some disinfectant wipes or something to clean your hands up with afterwards. Always something I keep on hand and it's something not everybody always thinks about. So now, I had a discussion with my brother-in-law, Barrett is his name, and he's an incredible mechanic. And I said, okay, I want to share some worst case automotive scenarios with the community. And I want to say like, if you are absolutely in an, a bad situation, what can you do to get by? So the first thing, of course, this is one most everybody probably knows, but if you happen to be really low on rad fluid, you can always add water if you've got, you know, if you've got no rad fluid at all, or if you're not sure what color rad fluid you need, go with the light yellow and make sure it's good for aluminum blocks or aluminum parts. If it's good for aluminum, you can use it for anything. But, you know, worst case scenario, you can grab some water out of a ditch or out of a puddle. And, you know, as long as it doesn't have a whole lot of dirt in it, dump it in your rad and you can limp yourself home. You should be okay. You know, it might evaporate a little bit quicker. Most people know that one. Now, the next one I asked him about, I said, okay, what happens if, <laughs> oh, this is a good one. I'll share this here in just a second. Um, what happens if you're out of brake fluid or if you're really low on brake fluid? And I asked him, I said, you know, what can I use? Can I use oil? Can I? He, <laughs> he just about crapped his pants. He said, okay, first off, I'm going to tell you something. Don't ever use anything in your brake fluid reservoir other than brake fluid. Anything else can ruin the entire system. However, he said, if you are in the middle of nowhere and you have absolutely nothing else, he said, you can put clear water in your brake. And I'm not telling you to do this. I'm just saying in a worst case scenario, you can put water in your brake fluid. Now, the things that's going to happen, it's going to be harder for it to build up pressure. It's going to heat up quicker. It's going to evaporate faster. You're going to get brake fade quicker, which means your brake pads heat up quicker and you lose braking faster. However, that is still better than having absolutely no brake fluid in there whatsoever. 
So just one of those things. Uh, again, I'm not saying do it, but I am saying in a shit hit the fan situation and you have nothing else to deal with, that was the best recommendation. Now, Ian said, my dad fixed a broken belt when I was little on the way home from the lake. I think he used to draw a string from a big laundry sack and get us the rest of the way home. I can absolutely see that. I watched some videos the other day about a guy, he tried to use nylon stockings or pantyhose or whatever. He didn't have much luck, but a lot of the people in the comments all said, hey, I did it this way. They said he had one of the one of the belts wrapped the wrong way or something, and they were able to make it work. So think outside the box sometimes. Uh, if you have a, power, a power steering fluid leak, you can use automatic transmission fluid in an emergency again. Again, always use recommended fluids, but worst case scenario, that is an option. So if you happen to have transmission fluid in the back of your vehicle, but no power steering fluid, it could get you by. Now, I asked him about a broken serpentine belt. Uh, yeah, so yes, Loco. So that, yeah, water in the brake fluid, WTF, good to know. So yeah. Oh, and Chris, here's another one for you too. But yeah, again, worst case scenario. But I had to ask him because that man, he has... He has rigged up every vehicle under the sun. He does mud bogging. He can rebuild anything with his eyes closed. So he knows his shit. And I, I said, you know what? You got to tell me. I'm going to get him on here some night. Uh, Chris Dixon also says, in an emergency, you can drive with your park brake if you pay attention and slow down accordingly. It's mechanical and not hydraulic. Yes. But be careful because, you know, there's heat, <laughs> lots of heat that could be involved there too. But that's a great idea. Um, yeah. So now if you break a serpentine belt, I asked him about that, and he told me a really good story about how they drove almost an hour round trip in the middle of winter with a broken belt and nothing was running. So, can you can some vehicles or most vehicles drive without a drive belt? Yes, maybe, but not for very long. Your vehicle's probably going to overheat because the fan's not going to be spinning. It's not going to be charging the battery. So, you want to turn off all non-essential electrical services in your vehicle anything you can you want to limp it along as far as you can don't stop unless it overheats and you have to because each time you have to restart the vehicle you're going to be, take that big drain off your battery it's better in the winter than the summer because things aren't going to overheat as quick and i read a whole bunch of places online and they said there's no way you'll drive for more than 60 to 90 minutes without a drive belt uh, but that is in absolutely best case scenario with a rad full of coolant and it's the middle of winter so just remember that don't expect to get very far with a broken serpentine belt <laughs> and rachel says so many people would screw that up yes they would i know it's just yeah one of those things right so we made it to i ended up these were what i saved from our last automotive episode so I threw together a whole bunch of just kind of random automotive maintenance tips, things that have worked for me or things I've thought about. And yes. Oh yeah. And Rachel says, carry extra fluids. It's not hard. Yeah. So get yourself. Okay. For two reasons. Number one, you want to have the fluid with you if you spring a leak. So grab some power steering fluid, some brake fluid, some rad fluid if you can, a quart of oil, throw it under your back seat and don't worry about it. So you have it when you need it. But number two, so you don't have to pay convenience store prices for fluids because you are going to pay, if you go to Napa and you can get a thing of brake fluid for four or five dollars and you go somewhere else like, I don't know, 7-Eleven, you're going to pay two to three times that for the same size jug. 
So just remember that you're saving yourself money and you're preparing for a lot of eventualities. Okay, so here's the first one, something I learned when I was in the oil patch. But when you stop to wash your windows when you get gas, don't forget your headlights, especially in the spring when the salt and the dirt is just coming up off the road. You can end up having like half as good headlights when you're out there. But don't be the guy that takes the brush that you use on your windshield and also use it on your headlights because that's where there's a lot of dirt. If you go to a lot of the truck places, they'll actually have round scrubber brushes for that. But what I usually do is just pat a little bit of water on there and then grab some paper towel from the dispenser and wipe them off that way. But if it's nighttime and it's spring, don't forget to clean off your headlights as well because, man, they get bad. Number two, this is a good one. Whenever you're going to pour, well, first off, I always keep an extra jug of washer fluid in the back seat of the truck, always, because I use a lot of it up here. But I always also let it run down until the light comes on, because I know once the light comes on that it will take a full gallon jug. So if you want a way to pour it much more smoothly than, other, than you've probably done in the past, and you have a knife on you, go back to the handle where you would normally have a vent on, say, a gas jug, and pop a nice little kind of quarter or half inch hole right there, take the lid off, and then pour it directly into your reservoir. You're not going to get any of that glugging because it's going to be sucking air in through that back vent hole. I come up with that one on my own. I was pretty damn proud of it, and it works great. Uh, feel free to use it. Uh, here's another one. If you need to roll under a vehicle, lots of people think about this, but some people don't. I hate rolling around in the dirt or the cement, so just Unfold an old cardboard box, the biggest one you can find, and use it as a drop cloth. Those are, you know, uh, whatever. Anyway, just to keep you even slightly insulated from the ground. It's so much more important in the wintertime, but I've used that. And then, of course, if you spill oil on it, you throw it away. But if you have a good tarp and you put a tarp down and you get oil on it, every time you go to use that tarp for something else next time, you're going to get that old oil on it. So, yeah, don't do it. And we're going to shout out to Radio 8424 over on... Uh, float they have us live there and if you don't they're they're incredible they so much good content that they repost for us and we appreciate it um here's another one if you're going to do automotive um work find yourself a flat preferably an indoor area to do the work but really flat is important because if you're going to put up a jack stand also you know try not to jack your vehicle up on mud because it's so easy for shit to just twist or fall or <laughs> squish you. You don't want that stuff to happen. Uh, and Chris says, uh, tip it on its side and slightly handle down. It will pour like a dream. Absolutely. Yes, because then you're not fighting against the glugging nearly as much. And Jason Davis says, big fan of the cardboard hack. Hey, if I'm going to take it down and put it in the blue bins anyway, I might as well get some extra use out of it first. Uh, from there. Okay. This is another one. This is probably dead simple, but somebody out there is going to be like, you know what? That's a great idea. But if you're going to do a job, like the other day, I had to swap out that tire for me. Have all your parts and all your tools out and ready before you start. The last thing you want to do is have to go look for a part or a tool halfway through a job, leave the vehicle jacked up with nobody watching it, or set some parts down, forget what you did with them. So have all your shit up and ready before you start a job. That goes for anything, but automotive is especially important. Uh, 
Loco says most of the newer vehicles, at least over here, have headlamp assembly lenses are made out of cheap plastic and they end up all cloudy and they leak too. That is a big thing. Absolutely. And yeah, it's, they're all that way now. They do get cloudy. You can, there's so many hacks online for trying to resurface those, but they don't really work that great. Uh, yeah. And Rachel Brown says, high pollen season is hell on lights and windows. Yep. And here it's bug season. So if you go through kind of a low spot on the highway at night where you go past a slough, which is a fancy way of calling a low spot that collects water and mosquitoes, you're going to have, and these bugs just stick. And we'll talk about that a little later too. But yeah, pollen, bugs, bad time of the year. How about knowing where your VIN is? If you, uh, you know, there's sometimes you're going to need it. Also, take a picture of your license plate so you have that, especially if you go into a hotel, because they're going to say, hey, what's your license plate? And you're going to be like, uh, I don't know. So they're going to want to put it in the system. But uh, yeah, know where you can find your VIN because there's so many times dealership's going to need the VIN to look up parts or say you want to look something up on the internet, know where to find your VIN. A lot of times it's in the window. Sometimes it's on the door when you open it up, but just know. Uh, oh, wow. So Ted says, had a jack stand fall on me about 25 years ago while doing a brake job. Oh, the disc pinned my hand to the ground. I was sure I'd lost some digits. Luckily, just broke some bones and needed some stitches. That is scary. I We were just cleaning up a place the other day, uh, the same place where we had to take the dump truck. And there was a jack stand in there that was totally bent to shit. And I thought there must have been a bad story behind that. So yeah, know, know where to set it how to set it, put it on something flat, and be careful. I'm glad you still have all your digits, Ted. And Chris says, know all your labels and what they mean. Uh, 100%, my friend. Uh, okay, here's another one. And this is one that not a lot of people know. But if you're going to change a tire, before you jack your tire up, break all your lug nuts free. And I'm sure I've mentioned this one before, but I'm going to mention it again. Because if you have a vehicle up on one of those chintzy, little jack stands or jacks that come with your you know spare tire kit all you got to do is push on the vehicle a little and you can make it flop over and the last thing you want to do is being reefing on a tire trying to break those lug nuts free when you're up in the air and on that little tiny piece of what government plastic as cousin eddie would say so just just be careful make sure you break them all free and they're finger tight before you lift the vehicle up uh, keep a journal of maintenance you know, some vehicles, you can actually do that now. I'm sure you can get an app for it. But each time you do something, write it down. That way you know when you did it. But also it helps you for resale value. So you can prove, hey, I did all this. Just an idea. Uh, deal with the check engine light. Those are absolutely important. Don't ignore them. Like we said, we've talked about that one before. But there's usually some around. Go into the, I think Chris talked about that, where you could go in to the parts dealers and get it dealt with. So yeah, fix, um, this is one I wanted to talk about, <laughs> but get chips in your windshield fixed before they spread because it's way cheaper. Up here, I'm sure you guys have it in the States too, but a lot of the uh, malls and parking lots and things like that, they always have these, usually they're college students or high school students or whatever, and they have these orange tents and you can just pull in and in like 10 minutes, they'll fix a chip in your windshield. My local place, you can pre-buy uh, chip fixes because we have so many of them around here. You know, we, we just have, well, every mile there's a gravel road. So, I mean, you get chips. 
when I moved out here from Nova Scotia, I called and I said, hey, I'd like to get uh, windshield coverage. And they just laughed at me because they said, if we could even offer it to you, it would cost you an arm and a leg. Because in Nova Scotia, you could buy it. It was dirt cheap. It was way less than the cost of a windshield. And if you had to get it replaced, it was. And they would do chip repairs for free out there simply because it was basically insurance for them to not have to replace a windshield. I just thought that was great. Uh, what else do we have for you? Yeah, know if your vehicle takes synthetic or regular oil. Those are important. Yeah, oh, and in a pinch, if you don't have a generator and the power goes out, get yourself an inverter. They're way cheaper than a generator, and you can run a whole bunch of stuff off of an inverter. All of that, deadly important. Um, yeah, Loco, you are right, my friend. He says, these tips may sound simple, redundant, and common sense, but remember, 80% of your audience, current and future, never heard the message before. You are right, my friend, and I have to beat that in my own head. It's almost my, <laughs> I almost have to apologize to myself because, yes, people are always looking for that. And, again, I could give you 20 tips, and if you learn one tip out of those 20, I've succeeded. Or if I've learned one tip out of a list of 20, I am happy. Yes, Jason, we're, yeah, we should, says those check engine light diagnostic meters are pretty cheap, $99 if you shop around. So here's a little tangent for you. We talk a lot about, you know, buying things on Amazon, buying parts, stuff like that. And I've talked on social a few times, not so much live here, but I've talked about how mechanics, it seems, especially new young mechanics, feel like they need to go out and they need to buy the top of the line snap-on or Mac tools. And they bend you over when they price that stuff, like hugely, just incredible. And of course they go right to your uh, mechanic shop so that they're, you know, hey, I got this and you can pay it on payments and it's only $500 for a little 10 millimeter socket, you know, that kind of stuff. So my brother-in-law spent a lot of years buying that kind of stuff when he was a mechanic working for somebody else. And after a lot of years of prodding, he finally decided to go out on his own a little less than a year ago. And I am so proud of him. But you know what? The first thing he did was he started looking around and pricing tools. And he's like, I like the Snap-on dealer. Those were great. They had good value or not good value, but good quality tools. But he started going on Amazon and he started finding... I cannot remember the name of the brand, but he used to buy. So basically the stuff he was buying from Snap-on for $500, he's buying for 150 to 200 on Amazon, exact same brand. And he has done that with at least 10 different tools since he's moved out on his own. So if you're a mechanic or even a shade tree mechanic, take some time, plug that stuff into Amazon and take a look. And I've mentioned Rock Auto before, but for those of you out there, if you haven't checked out Rock Auto, Rock Auto or Amazon or eBay, some of the cheapest place to get car parts. And I have bought so much from Rock Auto and saved literally 80%. I buy some things local. I want to support local, but the price on some of that gets out of the world, out of this world. So you have to do what you do. Uh, Chris says, uh, you can tell 80% of those people 20 times and they'd remember one tip. It's great to keep talking about it. Absolutely. I, I think I told this story on here before, but somebody who'd followed me for, you know, basically two years. Hey, tools and tactics. How are you? So somebody followed me for just about right since the beginning. 
And just about a month ago, I mean, you guys follow me on social. Sometimes I think I post a lot. And I literally post every time I have a podcast, I post the episode. And I had somebody message me, PM me the other day. And they're like, I didn't know you had a podcast. So you know what? We keep spreading the message. People are going to learn. Uh, Ted says they have the Bluetooth OBD2 scanners for pretty cheap now that stream the data to your phone. Well, that would be great because then it wouldn't even need to have a, um, a screen on it. So you can probably just plug it in with that little tiny, um, I don't even know what you'd call it. Just It looks like a serial port. Plug it in and you're all set. That's great. And yes, Ted says a lot of snap-on tools are rebrands. You imagine that? I mean, they are not shy about how they price things, but to price them that expensive and they're rebranded products ah to me that's whatever to each your own but there are better ways to spend your money and i would certainly you know i mean i'm a dewalt guy i like to spend money but yeah not on that kind of stuff i bought a pair of snap-on sunglasses last year made me sick to my stomach as soon as i bought them and i've only worn them like twice just miserable so i threw in one more list at the end here i never thought we'd make it this far but hey some nights we just fly so this one is 10 fluids I keep in my garage to help with automotive. Oh, here, I'll post my email for you, Jason. Um, it's therealtimcook at gmail.com. Unlike the fake Tim Cook that runs Apple, right? So, oh, yes. And Chris says Innova makes a great tool for scanning vehicles. That is the one that uh, my brother-in-law bought, actually. And yeah, he said it was a really good one for a really inexpensive price. So 10 fluids I keep out in the garage. I'm actually going to do maybe a whole video on all the different cleaners and stuff I keep in my garage, things I've used, no problem, Jason, on the regular basis. But these were 10 that I threw on that I use for automotive stuff. Uh, you know, through lots of testing over the years, I just realized these are the products I love. And the first one, no surprise to any of you guys, Seafoam. That is magic in a can. When it's on sale, I try to buy a half dozen cans because it's not cheap. At least up here in Canada, it's like, man, some days regular price on the shelf is pushing $15 a can. So anytime I can see it under 10 bucks a can, especially under $8 a can, I'll buy a half dozen or more, throw them on the shelf and forget about them. But if you've got something that just isn't running smoothly and you figure it's because of old gas or gummed up carburetor or who knows what, Throw a few scientific measures of a glug or two uh, in the gas can and be done with that. That's all you need. Seafoam works great. Number two, fluid film. That is my absolute favorite lubricant. There's something special about how that works. When you spray it on, you can actually hear some kind of caustic or chemical reaction. It kind of bubbles, almost like when you mix uh, vinegar and baking soda together but the stuff just works. I will spray it on a hinge, move the hinge back and forth a couple times. I've got an old video you can see on it. It took the squeak out of my truck door just like that. Fluid film is my go-to. Uh, Ted says tools and or tools and tactics says getting my butt kicked trying to make trying to make a video. Everything going wrong. You know what, my friend? It happens. We've all been there. There's been times when I've tried to make a video and my audio didn't work like 3 times in a row. So just keep sticking with it. You'll get there, I promise. <laughs> gas line antifreeze up here in Canada. It's one of those things. It'll You dump it in there. If there's a little bit of ice, it helps with that. If there's a little bit of water, it helps with that. It just tends, especially those small engines like my snowblower, after a while, it just needs that little pep. 
dump that in there. One bottle, you can get it for a couple of bucks. You can buy a six pack for like $6. Just don't drink it like you drink a six pack. Now, the next one, Zep aerosol glass cleaner. I love this shit. This is something I'd never seen until I moved to the prairies and worked in the oil patch. But aerosol glass cleaner in general is just the cat's ass. Yes, methyl hydrate, Chris. We used to use methyl hydrate in our uh, furnace oil tanks out in Nova Scotia because if you let them get too low, condensation would build up and you'd have to figure it out. But yes, methyl hydrate works great. So Zep aerosol glass cleaner, it is the best. Spray it on, wipe it off for getting rid of residue, fingerprints, dirt, bugs, whatever. Well, at least anything on the inside. I use it for shining up your windows. Great. And it, there's just no work. It, again, it does that kind of chemical reaction. It helps lift stuff off way better than just straight up old Windex. You can also buy the, uh, wall, um, sorry, the Costco brand. They have really good stuff and keep it up. Yeah. They, they get, get them in a, I want to say, I think they come in a three or four pack and they got a yellow lid. Those work great too. I do like Zep though. They make some of the best stuff. Um, <laughs> Loco says, uh, sales psychology taught us humans. We need about a thousand impressions just to make an impact. True story, my friend. We got all kinds. Yes. And uh, Jason says, fluid film is godly on the farm. Also great on the old cars and trucks when you don't want rust to spread. Yeah. Love that shit. <laughs> oh, yes. Um. I have used, I got a video on this stuff. So Rachel wants to know, I was going to put this in my list and I didn't. Anyway, Rachel wants to know if anyone's used PRI-G that was recommended by Stephen Harris. I recently did a video just talking about the claims from the three different companies and PRIG, I've been using it for three or four months now. So it's not long enough to say for sure, but based on their claims, it is going to be good. And Chris says that GM glass cleaner is the best cleaner on the planet. I'm always looking for a recommendation and I will try that one 100%. But yeah, Rachel, I will try to find, or if somebody can find that link, throw it in there. If not, I'll send it to you. I'll get it over to you on uh, Telegram. Next, I haven't tried. So Chris, again, Chris Dixon uh, recommended to me a hand cleaner. I haven't tried the one he's recommended yet. So right now, the one I keep in my shop is the Zep Cherry Bomb Hand Cleaner. That stuff is awesome. It'll get stains out of your hands. It smells good. It has that kind of pumice stuff in it, and it works really, really good. Now, the next one, and I really don't care what brand it is. I'll just buy the cheapest I can get, but Brake Clean. If you've never used Brake Cleaner before, wow, that stuff works so good. My generator was getting kind of scuzzy up on top, you know, had a little bit of gas where I'd spilled it, some oil, some um, exhaust residue, and of course, the dirt always sticks to it. And you try to just wipe it off, and it just doesn't want to come off. Spray a little brake clean on there and wipe it off instantly. I wouldn't recommend leaving brake clean on any painted surface for any length of time. But if you want to get a clean surface without any slippery residue, use brake clean. I love that shit. If you've got oil or something in a spot that you don't want it, spray it in and it kind of evacuates it. Underneath my snowblower, when I changed the belts this year, there's a, a friction wheel, I guess they call it. It's basically, it looks like a pulley, but it's a big flat disc that a rubber wheel spins on and it needs to get really good grip. I wanted to clean that off, but I wanted to make sure I didn't leave any residue on there. Brake clean works great. Penetrating fluid. I have settled so far on the WD-40 brand penetrating fluid. Works really good. I'm sure there's better out there. I haven't had a need for a lot of penetrating fluid. A lot of times heat works just as good or better, but 
The penetrating fluid that I keep is great. Uh, yes. So Chris says the aerosol brake cleaner leaves no residue like carb cleaner for small engines. Great stuff. Yeah. And I love the smell of it. I, I'm sure I'm weird, but it kind of smells chlorine or whatever. And it works great. But yeah, penetrating fluid. Now, the next one uh, I love, if you guys haven't used it, Spray 9. It's probably the best, I don't know how to put this, but I don't want to call it cheap, but it's the best kind of middle of the road cleaner that you can use for absolutely anything. I love it. It works really well. You can spray it on paint, but you know, it takes a little longer. You got to let it soak in. But what I like about it again, is that it's not super expensive. You can buy it in the big gallon. You can dilute it a little bit, but it works great for getting dust. My uncle one time got me to spray all these light fixtures or the long light bulbs that you pull down. I was changing the mode at his garage, had me clean them off and then throw them in the dumpster because he was a smart ass. But I remembered how good spray nine worked and it just works for getting that kind of stuff off. But if you have really hard, so the only time that I have some trouble with spray nine is if I get those bugs and they've set on the front bumper for a long time, I discovered this summer that goof off is the cat's ass when it comes to getting bugs off the front of your vehicle. I was able to just spray it, leave it for a couple of minutes and just wipe it off with a rag. Worked great. Um, oh, Ted says that he uses cleans oil. That's what he uses to lubricate all my tools and smells good too. Yeah, I'm always a big fan of anything that smells good. Uh, tools and Tactics says at paint stores, you can get some stuff called Cresto. Anyone heard of it? I have not. If anyone else has, let me know. I would like to know what it is. Uh, Cresto with a K, perhaps, I think is what he said there. Uh, and Chris says, not sure how to compare Spray 9 and Caster Super Clean. They're amazing cleaners and non-staining. Oh, Cresto hand cleaner. Okay, we'll have to try that out. I I remember, I don't know if anybody else remembers this stuff, but when I was a kid, my grandfather and my uncle ran what they called an alternator and generator shop. And back in the day when engines weren't made out of, you know, paper thin copper wiring, they would rewire engines. They would strip the old wire out. They, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But actually when my grandfather died, I didn't realize that his hands could actually be kind of white. They, they were black my entire time growing up because he was always stained with oil. But they had this stuff. It came in a, a can, which looked like an old-fashioned coffee can. It was metal, and it had a, a lid on it, and it was like a white, it almost looked like white lithium grease or something, but you'd put it on, and you'd rub it in your hands, and it kind of smelled petroleum-y of some sort, and man, that stuff worked great for getting the worst of the dirt off your hands. I always loved going in there just to use it, but <laughs> and then you'd use the the dirtiest old rag you could find in the shop, and it would clean up your hands really good, and yeah, I liked it. But yeah, I'll have to, I'm always looking for a better hand cleaner. Chris, if you're still here, if you could post the name of that hand cleaner you recommended to me the other day, he found a link on Amazon for me too. And it's a powder that you just kind of add a little bit of water to. And it adds like a, I guess, again, like that pumicey kind of stuff. And uh, uh, Loco says, yes, goof off works great. It is, if I had to pick just one, it's probably the best one. I remember going into Home Hardware, that's my local hardware store, a while ago, and this was a few years back, and I had to get some latex paint off of cement floor because I had some overspray, and I wasn't careful when I was painting, and I was kind of panicky, and they said, oh, don't worry, this will work great, and honestly, there's a couple different um, brands of Goof Off, so there's like the regular strength, and then there's the commercial strength. 
I've stuck with the latex based or the, the regular strength and it's worked great for me. You, some people say don't use it without gloves. I've used it without gloves, but just the, the generic stuff. If you want to go higher, use the professional grade stuff. Uh, they recommend, you know, a mask and wearing gloves because that stuff can be caustic, but man, that shit works. Uh, yes. Okay. Ted. So if anybody listening to this online or through the audio can remember what the name of that hand cleaner was. Yeah. Ted just says, going to go down a rabbit hole. If you find that Ted, that would make my day because every so often you just have these memories of when you're a kid and you would love to be able to just go back, reach back and find whatever that is. And sometimes it takes a long time, but if you can, yeah, he said, I know exactly what you're talking about. Can't think of the name right now. Definitely petroleum based. And if I remember I want to say the can was like a navy or a light blue. I can't remember for sure, but I'm sure it had a push-on plastic lid, but they left it open all the time. And you just kind of scoop it in, kind of like you'd use like, yeah, <laughs> Rachel says still stuck on penetrating oil. Oh, dear. Can I say that's what she said? Awful. Don't don't make those jokes, Tim. Okay. Uh, Chris said, I've recommended Works Hand Cleaner Powder to Tim, and I hope he tries it. It will take paint, grease, caulking off your hands, no pumice, and it leaves your hands soft like they were lotioned. I like that a lot. I'm going to try it. I uh, have it in my shopping cart on Amazon. Just haven't ordered it yet. Always looking. This is, I think, guys, this is probably my favorite part of our community is all the information we share, the different products I find out, the stuff I get to test, and the things we can go back and forth on and learn from one another. Uh, Loco says, we use no-name brand cream hand cleaner. Do they still use lanolin-based? I wonder if that, ah, Ted, if you're still listening too, I wonder if that might have been, if there was some lanolin in it too. I, I can't remember. But all I remember is that and they had one of those pits that they used to work in where you'd go down in the ground. And of course, my grandfather and uncle were both not much more than five feet tall. So if I were to stand in that pit today, my head would stick up. But all they had was a stupid little piece of chipboard over the top of it. It had, they had one two by six running the length of it, and then a piece of chipboard nailed down so that it covered about three quarters of the pit. Absolutely, totally illegal, and I'm sure not uh, not to be used again, you know. But anyway, they tore that shop down just a few years ago before I moved out here. Uh, they sold it. They've developed an eightplex on the property, but before they did, I saved a bunch of the cinder blocks and my dad and I made a fire pit in my grandfather's old shop bricks. So that was really cool. I had so many memories of hanging out in there when I was a, a little kid. Just those kind of places that just don't exist anymore. I remember Nan had the hand printed signs up top and it would say there was like uh, any any product that stays here more than 30 days becomes our property, any money. And it was just fun. My grandmother was good at running that business. She's 99 now. She's going to be 100 in August if she makes it. I love her to death. And yeah, she she might. Uh, so let's see. Chris says Gojo Cream Cleaner. I don't think, I don't know. I think that's a newer one. I'm not sure. But uh, Tools and Tactics says Ted McDonald, the Cresto, a sample was given to me when I was running some conduit for forklifts. And the whole place was nasty, greasy, yuck, and caked. And the stuff is absolutely amazing. Well, if we can find ourselves a good hand cleaner, I am absolutely happy. And we just had James Richter, uh, Richter coming in here saying hello. If you got any recommendations for hand cleaner or anything else, James, throw them in the comments there. We're just having kind of an open conversation about it now. 
but yeah, I've even, again, spray nine, it leaves a bit of a residue, but I'll spray that right on my hands, scrub it in, it'll wash off really good. Um, I'll, yeah, Gojo's the one, yeah, is, isn't Gojo in those small orange squeeze bottles? I'm thinking that's it, because I've seen those around a lot, but this would have predated that. Like I said, it, it looked like an old coffee can. They, it, it's all I can remember, because I remember very specifically, it had those little ridges as you worked your way up the can you know but i'll do some digging i keep forgetting um and i don't think my grandmother would remember now goop maybe uh oh yes um james says zep wipes if on the go without water are nice yes they are i like those too and for years up here in canada zep was hard to find unless you had like a janitorial i don't say a license but a business because it was one of those products or product lines that was carried well in uh, basically by the industrial supply places. But now it's, you can start to see it. I've seen it at Walmart. I've seen it at, I think, Crappy Tire. But I know we, we have it at the UFA, which is the farm stores here in Alberta, and they have the full line of it. And I've yet to be disappointed with Zep cleaners, Zep products, period. And also, um, the if you are looking for the best uh, how do you want to put it? Um, the best spray bottle you can find on the market, the Zep one is the cat's ass. Now, the one downside is when they're empty, they're a little top heavy, but when they're full, not a problem at all. Now, Ted just sent me a picture here and we're going to see if we can find what he sent me because it might be the one we're looking for. I think it might be. Let's try and see. Ted, there we are. Give me one sec, guys, because yeah, uh, <laughs> Loco says, just waking up. Hey, souls, how are you? Whole bunch of people in here tonight. What a great crowd. That might be it. He sent me a picture of Goop. Let's see if we can share that. I don't know if we can. Um, hang on, share screen number one. Allow, share. Oops, and I just removed it. Add screen. I think that might have been it. It was a different can, like it was a bigger can, but it, it had that, that looks like blue right there. So if anybody remembers that, we went down, um, uh, you know, we went way down memory lane tonight, but I'm going to say, I think that was the brand, Ted. Uh, I might be wrong, but boy, that sure seems like it. There we are. Go out from there. Yeah. <laughs> Tool says nine, like 10 people. Yeah, we had the other night when we had Nicole in here, they were, uh, we had 30 some people. It was great. And Jason says, Goop sounds right. Uh, what else we got? And yes, Chris says that the Zep spray bottles are the best. They are. They have a, they have a ball bearing design in the bottom of them. So they don't, uh, I don't like, you can squeeze them as much as you want. And they don't kind of, you know, some of them, they get so, you, you try to pull on them and they just, you get nothing out of them. Never happens with the Zep bottles. I've had great luck and they hold up really, really well. And yes, Rachel says with no grit. Yes, it didn't have any grit at all. Oh, and uh, tool, uh, Soul says if you use vegetable oil, that will remove stickers and the glue on the back of them. And Gugon, yes, I love Gugon. <clears throat> I love the smell of Gugon. But when I worked at home hardware, I used to assemble wood stoves which might sound funny because you'd think they'd come assembled, but a lot of times they'd be the big fancy wood cook stoves and you'd have to put like the top on them and they would come packed in hard grease. And then they would have like, I don't know, a brown wax paper stuck to that grease. So I would pull that off. And the best stuff I found for getting all that grease off was Goo Gone. 
worked like a charm. Plus, again, I love something like that with a good smell. Now, how about this? Who has a tip for getting the smell of gasoline off your hands? Because I hate that. Regular hand cleaner doesn't work very good. I want to say, was it bleach? No, don't listen to me here, guys. Maybe I'm telling you how to make uh, some kind of weird thing. Uh, yes, Tools and Tactics says, goof off is heavy duty. So bad. Yeah, uh, the, the heavy duty stuff is uh, not the greatest. It, it's it's very potent. You want to be careful with it. But <laughs> Jim says a match will get gas off your hands. Yeah, it will. But you know, when I was a kid, dad used to use gas to wash his hands with to get certain stuff off it. But man, I just, I can't stand the smell. Yeah, that's it, Jason. I knew, it. yeah, vinegar. So I think I used that before. I scrubbed two or three times and it worked better. But it, man, yeah, when you get it on there, oh, or how about this? My dumb ass, I put the backpack blower on a little while ago and I forgot to, um, <laughs> I forgot to put the gas cap back on threw that backpack blower up and all of a sudden I could feel something going down my back and I just spilled a whole bunch of that nasty old mixed gas all down my pants. Smelt like it for a day. Uh, oh, okay. Chris says that works hand cleaner. Got the diesel smell in my HD. Oh yeah, that, well, that's good to know. And uh, Souls also says fire will take the smell of gas off your hands, but it stings just a bit though. <laughs> so Souls also says vodka is an all-purpose smell remover. Is that because you drink so much you can't smell anymore? Or does it actually get rid of the odors? Just curious. And uh, Tools and Tactics says lacquer thinner is my go-to for most things. Hmm. Also something worth checking out. Hmm. James says, memory, many memories of grandpa and I washing hands in an old drain pan of gas. M miss that old man. Yeah. We all, yeah, we all have those memories. My, my grandfather was my best buddy, but he died when I was just turning six. We used to go for drives and he'd teach me all kinds of stuff. And he, uh, I remember one time, that's a funny story. Maybe we'll end on this, but it was really good. So he, he was very calm kind of guy, always kind of chill, never said much at all. And they were lugging wood down into mom and dad's old basement. And it had about a five foot ceiling, but whoever designed it, put the sewer pipe right in the middle of the doorway so that you had to walk around it as you were leaving and he hit his head on that about three times and finally let's see if i can get his saying right he hit it for the like the third or fourth time and he got so mad he says if i do that again he says i'm gonna blow that pipe to hell with a ball of its own shit i'm not even sure what that meant but that was his go-to saying when he got really really pissed off and of course, I was so little, I barely remember, but, but dad's told me that story so many times since, and I that just cracked me up. I was like, yeah. So Soul says vodka is a smell remover on its own. That's good to know. And yeah, I, I seen a meme today. It said, uh, if if potatoes can make vodka, you can do anything. I thought, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, James, I like, yeah, he says, God bless them old guys. They really knew the secrets of their life. Wisdom is the greatest wealth after health. Yeah, you know, there was an old timer back home that dad knew. He always told the story. He saw him stand up under a tractor one time and absolutely clock his head on a solid steel beam. And he just stood there, never even said anything, just let it go. And then this is the same guy that he was back in the woods one time, had a brand new coat on, got it caught in the PTO. It sucked him into the PTO and stalled the tractor out. And he stood there for three hours until the guys came back to cut some more wood. And they found him stuck there. And they said, why didn't you cut off your, your coat? And he said, because my wife just got it brand new for me at Christmas and she'd have killed me. 
So yeah, always one of those things. I love those old stories. Uh, Chris said, my hands cracked so bad that I had to find something to fix them and works has been it. it sh I should really be a spokesperson for him. That's awesome. I love it. So yeah, this has been an awesome show, guys. I wanted to uh, tell you a couple of little things here. Number one, I you guys know I'm going to be going to Tennessee the last two weeks of April. We're going to be down at the Living Free in Tennessee Spring Workshop. I'm going to be teaching, um, doing a presentation on entrepreneurship. So I'm going to be away for a couple of weeks. While I'm gone, I'm going to be running a series. They're going to be like maybe half hour episodes. There'll be two a week. And there's a reason behind my madness. I got it timed out perfect because while I was gone, episode 100 was supposed to happen. And I didn't want that to be a recorded episode. I want to do something special and live. So my first episode back, which will be the like third or fourth of May, is going to be our episode 100. And I'm going to do something special and maybe try to do some recordings while I'm gone. But I wanted that to be an episode we could celebrate together. So we're going to have, so while I'm gone, I'm going to be running a series. I think it's going to be titled something like, I'm scared, so now what? And it's basically going to be an absolute beginner's guide to getting yourself prepared. And how fear is not a good long-term motivator. It might be a good short-term motivator, but it's going to be practical. It's going to be the type of stuff that you can pass on these episodes to someone else who's like, hey, I'd like to learn. So it's all going to be there, but we'll deal with that down the road. Like I said, Saturday morning, we're going to have a live stream this week, uh, 8.30 Mountain Time. Looking forward to it. So if you guys have suggestions for what you might like me to talk about, or if you just want to do a Q&A session, whatever, throw them my way. I had my interview episode this morning. So we are going to not have a Sunday evening live stream. So you can spend some time with your family. My wife is going to take me out for a special dinner. It's going to be quite fun. Just one of those things. So spend some time with your family. But there won't be a Sunday night live stream because I did the interview this morning. And yeah, also, finally, tomorrow on Prepper Broadcast Network, of course, we always know that Carl A.D. Brown follows me up with the strange truth talking about Christianity and the news stories that nobody wants to touch. So check that out. Make sure you subscribe. And if you find value over at PBN guys, become a member. I just did recently simply because they're doing great things. It, the network is growing like crazy. We had like 50% growth this week and or this week, sorry, this month and just incredible, incredible content creators over there, guys. It's so great to see ya. It's so great for you guys to drop by. And I really appreciate it. James says he's been busy, Tim. He says, I always do my best to attend your lives. Good to visit again. The best thing that I can hear from anybody in this community is that they've been so busy getting shit done that they don't have time to consume my content. Because when that happens, I've succeeded or you've succeeded. And you guys inspire me. And I know you guys have time, only so much time to spend. So thanks for hanging out with me in the workshop. Guys, as always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week.